looking at the movie Black Panther. Again, as a backdrop to the truths of the Word of God that we'll be speaking about today. This movie, The Black Panther, was a massive, huge success. It released back in February, on February the 16th of this year. It was made on a budget of $200 million, but already it has created the buzz, and at the box office, it has already $1.34 billion in revenue sales. It's the second highest growing film, grossing film of 2018 behind Avengers Affinity War alone. It's the, it's the third highest grossing superhero film of all times. It's actually the first highest grossing solo superhero film of all times. Again, very successful movie. If you've not seen the movie, I'll give you a little bit of a short overview. You're going to have to listen close, and I'll try to give you a little bit of the backdrop. After the death of his father, a character named T'Challa returns to his African home, his nation of Wakanda. He returns to take his rightful place as the king. He does so with the powers of the Black Panther so that he could protect his people and their resources in the nation of Wakanda. To the rest of the world, when they look in at Wakanda, they just assume it to be a third world nation that has very little to offer. Sure, it's a beautiful place in its own right. It's a beautiful landscape, but they don't seem to have to the rest of the world all that much to offer. At one point, it's known to have had a little bit of vibranium. Now, vibranium is a very special resource. It's a metal that is better than any metal that is found in earth. It's a fictional metal. It's the metal that Captain America used in order to be able to create his shield. It is a very powerful resource. At one time, Wakanda was assumed to have some of this metal, but now, because of a thief, they are assumed that it's all gone and there is no more. So from the outside looking in, it looks like Wakanda is not a nation that anybody goes to on purpose that has not a whole lot to offer. It appears that they don't have any vibranium, but the truth of the matter is, once you go past the invisible cloak and you go into past the barrier, it turns out Wakanda actually has more vibranium than it lets on. More of this precious metal. As a matter of fact, it has an entire mountain of the stuff. I want you to take a look at this clip this morning to set up the scene. You're telling me that weapon on your arm is from Wakanda? Vibranium, the most useful and valuable substance since water. The, re the result of vibranium, Wakanda is secretly, because they have so much of it, the most technologically advanced society on the planet. But it's hidden. 
Because of vibranium, they are using it in their transportation. They're using it for medicine. They're using it for natural defense. They're using it for fashion. The list goes on. Wakanda secretly has an entire mountain of the most precious resource in the entire world. King T'Challa, who is the Black Panther, and the people of Wakanda must decide what do they do with this most valuable of resource. Well, today, as we dive into the Word of God, I want to challenge us to understand this first truth that is in your notes this morning. As a Christ follower, not vibranium, but we have been entrusted with the most valuable resource of all. As a Christ follower, we have been entrusted with the most valuable resource known to man. If we have given our lives to Jesus, if he is the Lord of our life, we have been given this precious resource. And good news, it's not a resource that is hidden and unattainable, but it's readily available for all who seek it. You could sum up this resource in the words of the most popular verse in all of the Bible. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. It is the good news, it is the gospel that Jesus has come to save us from our sins. No reason for us to stand on the outside of the kingdom looking in. It's not invisible but it can be found for anyone who seeks after it. Jesus died for our sins. He's given us access to become children of God. See, the gospel is not about what we get, but what has already been given. It's not about what you can do to earn his favor. It's what he has already done on the cross. It's not about legalism, but it's about the love of Christ that has been given to all. It's not about rules, religion, Rather, it is about a relationship with Jesus that is available. We have been given the most valuable resource of all. Much like vibranium, it also has the power to affect every area of our lives. It can be the thing that helps us in every aspect in our marriage, in our relationships, and first and foremost, giving us a promise to have a home with Him for eternity. Well, today I want us to examine this resource, the gospel that has been given to us. And I want us to examine what we are to do with this resource. And I want to do so by looking at one of the most important characters of the Bible. He's a guy by the name of the Apostle Peter. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus. Peter was one that when we read the New Testament, we see a number of books that come from the hand of Peter inspired by the Word of God. Very important character. And throughout the Bible, we see that Peter had a responsibility to figure out what we are to do with the gospel message of Jesus. Peter was perhaps the first one to truly understand this gospel message on a deeper level. Peter was perhaps the first one to see behind the invisible barrier, see something that other people seem to be able to neglect and not see fully. We find it all the way back in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Jesus is there with his disciples. Peter is there alongside of his disciples. And he, Jesus, in verse 13, it says, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus is there with his disciples. He looks at them. He gives them a test. 
He says, I want to know who do people say that I am. Look at what the disciples answers. Verse 14, and they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus is like, okay, that's what everybody else says. But you have been following me, he says in verse 15. But who do you say that I am? Verse 16, here's Simon Peter. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter is taking the test, and he does well on the test. He says, you're not just some prophet. You're not just Elijah or Jeremiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answered Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. It's Peter. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Wow. Peter took the test, and he not only got an A, he got an A+. He was asked, but who do you say that I am? All the other disciples didn't have an answer, but Peter had an answer. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the one who is the most valuable resource. You're the one that we have been waiting for. The greatest gift that's ever been given. The greatest resource. In verse 18, Peter says, Jesus says this to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. A lot of people from a different faith tradition see this verse in a way that I think is perhaps incorrect. They see this verse and it says, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And they assume that it's on Peter that the church would be built. They assume this means that Peter was the first pope or he was the, it was Peter who was going to start the church. But I don't believe that that is a full understanding of this passage. When you have to look at this passage, you look back at the original text and you see two different words that are important in our interpretation here. The first word is Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, Peter. This is Peter's name. The second word is the word rock, Petra. Petros, which is Peter's name, meant single stone or movable stone, insecure, shifting stone. Petra, the word rock, would mean huge mass or a solid formation, fixed, immovable. So when you read this passage and Peter has said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, you are Peter, small rock. And on this rock, Petra, big rock, immovable, I will build my church. He says, Peter, you're the small rock. You got it right. You got an A. But you're shifting. You're small. You're movable. But on this rock, I will build. What was the rock that he's speaking of here? The declaration that Peter had made. Upon this truth that you have looked beyond the veil and that you know that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, it is on this truth that I have come as a son of God that I will build my church. Precious rock, precious truth. The most 
valuable resource. And Peter was the first one to have it rebuild unto him. As Christ's followers, we have been entrusted with the most valuable resource of all, that Jesus Christ is not just some prophet, but he is in fact the son of the living God. And because of that, there is no other way unto salvation but through him. The gospel, the good news. By the way, if you've not experienced life in Jesus and you're stuck in your sin, it's not hidden, it's available to all. Jesus died on the cross. He took upon our sins even though he had never sinned. And when we turn to him, he will bring forgiveness to us if only we will receive. And I believe for somebody today is that day and you're going to have that opportunity. We, as Christ followers, have been entrusted with the most valuable resource of all, much more valuable than vibranium in a movie, the precious gospel of Jesus. The next thing I want you to understand, we must decide what to do with this resource. First thing I want you to be challenged with is do we hide it? Do we hide the resource that we have in Christ? In the movie Black Panther, for centuries, Wakanda has kept its secret of having a mountain of vibranium to their self. King T'Challa, the Black Panther, has a decision to make. Do they continue to hide or are they going to share this resource with, with others? Do they continue to hide? Because after all, they've seen examples throughout Africa when somebody knew that there was a resource, they would come in and they would invade. Why risk it? I want you to take a, a look at this clip that talks about the ex-girlfriend of King T'Challa. And she's saying, we don't need to hide it anymore. How about we use it to further people around the world? Take a look. I came to support you and to honor your father, but I can't stay. It's just about my calling out there. I've seen too many in me just to turn up like that. I can't be happy here knowing that there's people out there who have nothing. What would you have your father do about it? Share what we have. We could provide aid and access to technology and refuge to those who need it. Other countries do it, we could do it here too. You are not like these other countries, Nakia. If the world found out what we truly are, what we possess, we could lose our way of life. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and protect ourselves at the same time. Decision to make. Are we going to continue like we've done for centuries and hide it? Or are we going to share it with the world? A world who is in need. The apostle Peter had times of hiding. Here is a man who made the declaration that Christ is the son of the living God, the Messiah. And he had times because of fear that it overcame his faith and he hid the truth of the gospel. He's a great man of faith. He's the first to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, but he had fear that caused him to hide. We see it just at the Last Supper. You remember the Last Supper is there and Jesus is there and all of his disciples are with him and he knows that he's about to go to the cross, be crucified for the sins of the world. And as he's there with his disciples, he looks at his disciples and says, you guys are 
going to betray me. Peter's the one who says, no, I'll never betray you. I'll fight for you. I will never betray. And Jesus looks and says, yes, Peter, you're in fact going to hide. You're going to betray me not once, not twice, but three times before the rooster crows. He's like, I'm never going to do that. Jesus is taken away, and Peter is faced with his fear. Jesus is put on trial, and just outside of where Jesus is being put on trial, about to be put on the cross. We find ourselves in Luke chapter 22, verses 56 and 57. Peter's there. He's warming himself by a fire, and a servant girl comes up to Peter. Seeing him, as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, she said, This man was also with him. This man was also with Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. One time he's in hiding. Next verse. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Two times denied Jesus in hiding. Verse 59, and after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is too a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you were talking about. Three times he denies and he hides the truth that he was one of the disciples. The Bible says very quickly, the rooster crows, and he remembers the words that Jesus had said he was going to deny, and he went out and wept bitterly. He let fear keep him from standing in faith and proclaiming that he was, in fact, a disciple and that Jesus was the Messiah. This one who had declared, look behind the invisible veil to know that Christ was the Messiah, was in a moment of fear, and he did not share his faith. How often do we hide in fear? In fear of what somebody will think if we say, we know the answer. In fear of what society says, there are many roads to heaven. No, there's only one. How often do we hide in fear? What do we do with this resource that has been entrusted to us? Do we hide it? And your notes, another thing that people sometimes do is sometimes they hurt it. In the movie, not everyone is clueless that Wakanda has this possession of all of this vibranium that could help the world. In the movie, we're introduced to a character named Killmonger. Killmonger is the Black Panther's cousin, and he has an agenda. An agenda that would end up destroying if he was able to carry it out the world as they knew it. He aims to use Wakanda's vibranium to bring vengeance on the world that is the enemy. To use it for something it was never intended to be used for. To yield it in a way that did not bring healing but brought hurt. I want you to take a look at this clip. Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about 2 billion people all over the world. It looks like us. But their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools? I'm not. Vibranium. The weapons. Our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world. It is not our way to be judged during the executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. You being life start right here on this continent? So I don't people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like me. 
Make no mistake about it, Killmonger is a villain. But he has anger that in some ways you could look at and say, perhaps it's justified. He has seen Africa exploited, misused, and ignored. He knows injustices, and he is trying to use vibranium because he is angry and he wants to bring vengeance on those who have made them suffer. He wants to use it for retaliation for past abuses, to use this resource that is available in the best way that he knows how. It may seem just that he has this cause, but he is doing something that is not justifiable. He is going to use this thing that could help in order to bring hurt. We see this in the life of Peter. Not only did he hide in times of facing fear, there were times where he actually did things that could hurt the gospel. He tried to take matters in his own hands. He was thinking that Jesus had come for an earthly kingdom, but Jesus came for a heavenly kingdom. We see it when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane just before being taken away to put on trial and ultimately die on the cross for the sins of the world. And there he is praying. He knows he's about to face the cross. It was the whole reason that he came. In John chapter 10, verse 18, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down for the sins of the world. This was the reason he had come, to establish not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. And here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. The Bible says three disciples were with him, Peter, James, and John. He knew he was about to face the cross, and he was going to establish a heavenly kingdom. This is the reason he came. But Peter, this time, instead of hiding from the gospel, he does something that is an attempt to hurt what Jesus is intending to do. Look at John chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter. So they're praying in a garden. Here comes a group of soldiers. They're going to take Jesus away, ultimately put him to death on the cross for the sins of the world. Simon Peter, as the soldiers are coming, having a sword, drew it out and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. So here Peter is trying to advance the kingdom of God, but with earthly means. He says, Jesus, I'm going to fight for you. Jesus, we're going to overthrow this government. Jesus, it's about establishing an earthly kingdom. But Jesus was here for a, a heavenly kingdom. He cuts this servant's ear off. Verse 11. So, Peter, so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Hey, Peter, you're trying to establish this earthly kingdom. You're trying to fight in the natural. But I have not come here to establish an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. You're hurting the purpose that Jesus came to heal. We see it back in Matthew chapter 16. Remember, it's in verse 16 that, that Peter is the first to proclaim this truth that is entrusted to us who believe. Peter's the first to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, he gets an A+. Just a few verses later, though, Jesus begins to talk about, yes, I am the Christ, the son of the living God, and I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to die. I'm going to go to the cross for the sins of the world. After proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah, look in verse 22, what Peter says. And Peter took him aside, takes Jesus to the side. 
says, Jesus, you're talking about all of this suffering. And he rebukes Jesus. That's not a good place to be. (laughs) He rebukes Jesus, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. You're not going to suffer. We're going to fight for you. We're going to establish an earthly kingdom. We're not going to let this happen to you. The Bible says in verse 23, but Jesus turned and said to Peter, Peter who had just announced he is the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter who Jesus just got through saying, yes, this truth has been revealed to you by my father. And this is the truth that I will establish my church upon. Look at how Jesus rebukes Peter this time. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Wow. Why is he a hindrance? Because you're trying to set up an earthly kingdom. I came to die on the cross so that my heavenly kingdom would be available to all. He says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, A+. plus. It's the gospel, the truth is entrusted. Now he's trying to do it in a way that hurts rather than heals. F minus, 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 minus. Because you're not seeing that there's a heavenly kingdom. Peter, you're hurting the cause. The reason I came. Don't hide it. Don't hurt it. I want to heal people. The Bible says Jesus' death brings life. That although he had never sinned, he took upon our sins. Can I ask you how often do we hurt the gospel? Perhaps not intentionally, but we add things to it. We'd say like you come to the kingdom of God and then you'll have no more problems. We say things like, hey, if you work hard enough, you'll earn God's favor. No, the gospel of Jesus is while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for our sins. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't use it to be a whipping post for others who God is trying to draw, but because we stand in opposition and condemnation, they don't come to the cross. And the Bible says the gospel warns us about the dangers of sin, but gives us the way of escape. It confronts us about judgment of sin, but it gives us the pardon through Jesus. It helps us to know that we have condemnation without Christ, but we have forgiveness in Christ. We have to understand the news of guilt, but then it gives us the option of grace. So many times we hurt the gospel because you're never going to be good enough. And God says, in your sin, come to Christ and he will receive. Do you hide the gospel? Do you hurt it? Do you try to add things to it? Do you keep people away that God is trying to draw? The third thing I want you to see is finally... Or do you share it with others? In the movie, the Black Panther has a decision to make with the vibranium. Will he continue to hide it? Will he fight off those who would misuse this resource and try to hurt it? Or will he share it with the world? Ultimately, by the end of the movie, it appears he stands ready to share it with the world. Look at this final clip with me this morning. This will be the first one under the National Archivist Center. 
Now, here I will oversee the social activities. You will still have to assign us information in the future. You're kidding me. Yeah? In the movie, again, this is just kind of a theme to help us to see the Word of God. By the end of it, they're no longer going to hide it. They're not going to let anybody hurt this most valuable of resource. They end up going to the inner city and they say, hey, we're going to set up ways in which we can use this resource and share it with the world. In the Bible, Peter had times of hiding. Peter had times of hurting the gospel and the purpose. But finally, Peter comes not to hiding, not to hurting, but boldly sharing the gospel of Jesus, this most precious resource in the world, to the whole world. After Jesus had died, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He spent 40 days with the disciples thinking, talking about things of the kingdom. As he is about to ascend back up into heaven, he looks at his disciples and he says, I have a purpose for you. I have entrusted you with the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to go into the entire world. And I want you to share this news with Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost. The entire world is going to hear this news shared with them. He said, but before you go, when I go away, I want to send you my Holy Spirit. I want you to go to the city of Jerusalem and wait until I send the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says 120 of disciples got in an upper room, and in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, they're seeking God, seeking His purpose, awaiting for His empowerment. The Bible says that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls, and the place where they were was shaken, and they began to speak in a prayer language, and they began to be emboldened by the power for God's purpose to share the gospel around the world. The Bible says that day there were a lot of onlookers. They heard what was going on in that upper room, and they said, hey, what is going on here? And over 3,000 people gathered around. They began to mock and say, man, they must be drunk. Why is this going on? What is this all about? Peter finally gets some boldness, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, he walks out of the crowd of onlookers, over 3,000 people. And even though they were mocking, he preaches the message of the gospel. He tells them things like, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was pro prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he preaches such a convincing message. In Acts chapter 2 verse 14, this one who used to be afraid that he couldn't even claim Jesus and denied him three times, now empowered by the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, it says, Peter lifted his voice and he addressed the crowd. Verse 37, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He says, hey, you crucified Jesus, but he was, he is, and he will always be the Messiah. He is the only resource that can change your life. The Bible says he shares so boldly that the people who heard began to be convicted. And verse 37 says, Now when they heard the message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, Hey, what shall we do to be saved? 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you too will receive the Holy Spirit. So those who received the word and were baptized and were added that day to the kingdom of God were over 3,000 souls. Wow. The power of not hiding it, not hurting it and adding to it, but simply sharing the gospel. This man, Peter, who used to hide, this man, Peter, who even hurt, now empowered by the Holy Spirit, shares the gospel, and 3,000 people come to salvation. What are we going to do with this gospel message entrusted to us? It's a lot better than vibranium. It is the most important truth known to man that there is no other way to be saved other than Jesus Christ and accepting him as our Lord. Do we hide it? Do we hurt it? Or do we boldly share it with others? At LifePoint, we want to develop lifelong followers of Christ. And lifelong followers of Christ experience life, salvation. They live life in community, but then they bring it full circle and say, I am going to share that life with somebody else. If you're a Christ follower, you have been entrusted with this most precious a gift. Are you going to hide it, hurt it, or share it? A lot of times people say, but I don't know how I could share my faith. I am fearful. What will other people think? I have a fear of sharing my faith. I fear speaking the truth in love. I fear stepping out. I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to speak to my neighbor and to my loved one and to that person on the job. But how can I share this thing? What will they think? I have fear. But guess what? You're not alone when you're sharing your faith. So I was preparing for this message. Pastor Ben shared with me a message that he had heard recently from another church and he was visiting and talked about a point that was made that sometimes we fear sharing our faith but you got to know that you're not alone in doing so I don't know if you've ever had the kind of job that you had to do what they call cold calling you know what I mean by cold calling you just pick up the phone and you start calling somebody and you say hey I've got something that's valuable and I hope that you will just you'll you'll listen to me for a moment because if you'll just listen this will be valuable to you and they try to sell you something cold calling nobody they're just randomly calling folks well when we are prompted by the holy spirit we're not cold calling the holy spirit has gone before us and when he tells us to speak to someone and share our faith we're not alone and number two he is already working the bible says nobody comes to salvation unless the holy spirit draws so why do we fear why don't we just step out in faith and share that with others we've been given the most valuable resource do we hide it do we hurt it or do we share it somebody in this room today you've been looking for value but you've been looking in the wrong places maybe you've been looking for value in drugs alcohol bad relationships sex outside of marriage value in fame or fortune, value in a 401k, and everywhere you look, you still find yourself empty. Can I tell you the most valuable thing is a life given over to the Lordship of Christ. 
And can I tell you that it affects every, just like vibranium, that it affected every part of their society. When you give your life to Jesus, I'm not saying that you'll never have problems, but he will be in aspects of every part of your life. It will affect everything. I'm going through marriage issues. I'm going through issues on the job. He is there with us and all. And when we accept him, it's not just salvation. He says, I am journeying with you throughout this life. For somebody in this place, you need to accept him experience life in him. Somebody else, what are you going to do with that which has been entrusted to you? I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads, let me pray over you today. First of all, there's somebody in this room, you need to experience life in Jesus. You've been looking for value everywhere and you've been neglecting the most valuable resource of all. You understand Jesus died on the cross even though he was God in the flesh and never sinned. Because without the shedding of blood, without innocent blood being shed, there would be no forgiveness. But he said, I am going to die so that others may live. Today, the Holy Spirit's been drawing you. And you know that your life's not right with Jesus. You've been running from him or you've never known him. But something inside you is drawing you today. It's the most valuable thing you'll ever do is make that decision. If there's even one in this place, I want you to be bold enough to be able to raise your hand right where you're at. Let me pray over you in just a moment. I need to get my life right with Jesus. I've never known him or I've been running from him. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at boldly? I see that hand. I see that hand. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I see that hand. Your grace is sufficient. Head bowed and eyes closed. There's others in this room, and I'm not even going to make you raise your hand because, man, I'll raise my hand here too. I'm a Christ follower, but, man, have I been fully sharing that thing that has been trusted, the gospel with others. I'm going to pray over all of us too that, God, you would raise our level not to hide the gospel, not to hurt the gospel, but to share it faithfully. I want you to pray with me today. Dear Heavenly Father, all over this room, those that raise their hand today, it's a symbol that they are hearing your Holy Spirit speak. Would you come into their heart and forgive them of their sin? As I'm praying right now, they're confessing. Simply talk to Jesus. He's right here in this midst. They're confessing they need you. They're confessing you are the Lord. God, we all have sinned, but the gift of God is salvation if we turn our life over to Jesus. Right now, we do that. Correct our course. Let us start back our journey with you. Let us run after you, we pray. Father, all over this room, there are those who are already Christ followers, but maybe we've been hiding the gospel. Let us be bold. Maybe we've been hurting the gospel. Maybe our lifestyle is not living under the lordship of Christ. And when others see us and we proclaim Christ, but our life doesn't line up, it's hurting the gospel. Let us not do that any longer. Let us be people who boldly share the gospel in partnership with your Holy Spirit to see life change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.